so we have a project. We have a project, we call it OM Champion Project. Hello everyone and welcome to yet another episode of the Marseille View where we're, today we're going to debrief the game, the victorious game of Marseille against Lyon. It's uh, I believe the first game in about six games that Marseille have beaten Lyon whether it's away or at home. Um, so we're going to debrief that, I'm going to introduce the speakers, there's some new voices, you might recognise one of them from uh, last season but it will be his first of the season and the other speaker will be his first of the podcast. Um, but first and foremost, um, I just want to run through just um, what happened with the, the last podcast, so with the, the OM Lille game. So um, essentially it was a bit of a nightmare because the game was on Saturday uh, and I was working on Sunday. I couldn't do the podcast then. And then obviously doing a podcast during the week is a bit difficult um, because of bailages and stuff. So it was kind of pushed back to the next day, to the next day. And then in the end, we just thought, you know what, instead of just doing two podcasts in two days, let's just skip the Lille one and then just come back stronger for the Lyon game, hoping that we didn't miss the only Marseille game, the only Marseille win uh, with the Lille game. But, I mean, fortunately enough for us, it happened again. Villas Boas's uh, Marseille, and I have to admit, thanks to Villas Boas's tactics, we managed to, to grab a win from Lyon, something that clearly does not happen often uh, with this team. I'm, I'm sure all of the Marseille fans will probably... Uh, Probably made a big sound of relief at the end of that at the end of that game. I mean, I, I sure did, but we'll probably get your feelings on it. But I mean, without further ado, I'll probably introduce the speakers. So uh, we'll start with the one that you guys have heard before. Uh, hi Mo, how you doing? Hi, hi everybody. I'm yeah. good, Luca. How are you? Yeah. Where did you watch the game yesterday? <laughs> I was very fortunate to be in the, among the press in the velodrome. So you know, a frontline seat, one would say. Yeah. How was uh? Did you did you get to meet Aero? No, <laughs> not this time. Well, I've no. met him a couple of times before. I don't know if he recognised me anyway. But, uh, <laughs> Actually, no, a question to ask. It Was McCourt there? Uh, no, he wasn't. He well, wasn't. he didn't show up on the big screen. Ooh, he um, seems to be a black cat, nice. doesn't he? Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm a bit surprised. But I think he was there against Lee last week. Oh, okay. Um, okay, it's not too bad. Which may have been sort of the, the opportunity cost, I suppose. But no, he wasn't there from what I could see. Uh, fair enough. So you watched it in the... In the um... In the stands, from I mean, from the TV's views, it was still impressive. But from from your seat, how did you how did you find the atmosphere before and during the game? I mean, it was it was something to behold. I mean, obviously, I think we've all been to the stadium. We all know sort of how good it can be. But I think last night was one of the special nights. The uh, you know the you know once a year uh, sort of atmosphere. Like I don't think we've seen something like this since the Europa League uh, semi final. Um, and at least fortunately, the result um, was something to match the atmosphere. It was really, really good. A lot of noise, a lot of sound. I know a lot of people mock the lights and the, the sound system, but... I personally really hate it. I, I hate it. Match you hated it? Yeah. 
you know, my probably my only complaint was maybe it was a bit too loud at one point. But, but so that's probably me just getting old. But um, it was it was basically a, a fantastic evening. It's probably me being a little bit like anti-establishment, but I just honestly I've got this like conspiracy theory that they just make the sound so loud so that when when the supporters do have like bad things to say about the direction and the players, then they can just drown all the sound out. Possibly. Yeah, honestly, I, I, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of it anyway. Um, so we'll get kind of your feel about the TIFOs and about the the atmosphere a little bit further um, into the podcast. But before before that, we'll probably introduce our second speaker. So it's his first on the show. Um, so he's from the he's from the London group. Um, we've been to the bar quite a few times to watch the games together. Um, Raf, how you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Yeah, very nice, very nice, man. It's always good to to wake up after a Marseille win, especially yeah, when it comes against them. Yeah, exactly. Like this Monday wasn't as harsh as usual, I would say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, we've been used to to more difficult Mondays after Marseille Lyon. Uh, exactly. So you went to the. I don't want to do some like promoting like I did last week again, but you you usually go to the to the London bar to to watch the game, which. Uh, which you did again yesterday. Um, yep. How was the atmosphere there? Can you tell me a little bit about, was, about it? I, it was quite good. Like there was about 30, 40 people. So that's quite nice. And uh, people were motivated, quite new faces and so on. Like, so there was some singing and everything. Like, yeah, it was really nice. A really nice atmosphere. And some people were just traveling to London at that stage and come to see the game with us. So that was quite nice, actually. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's nice. I mean, um, Ben was talking about it the other time against PSG. There was about fifty people, and I expect the am- the the atmosphere inside the bar was a little bit happier than the PSG game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I guess so. I wasn't there for the PSG game, unfortunately, but yeah, like everyone was happy and everything. Like having a win and a big win against a big team. It's the first time since we have been brought back, probably. So yeah, yeah. that was a good atmosphere, definitely. Yeah, so yeah, big big win, big win for Aero, Villas Burst and Marcourt in general. Um so we're just gonna jump into our, our general impressions of the game. Um I I'll, I'll I'll speak, I'll give you my impression of the game um after after you guys. I'll start with you, Mo. So f- from the stands you probably had a bit of a different experience from when you're watching on the T V. How did you what were you expecting coming into this game and kind of how did it pan out? Oh, well I was expecting something not too dissimilar to how sort of the the previous OM Leon games um, have have played out. In that OM would sit back to try and absorb a lot of the pressure, um, not not sort of overplay their hand, but allow sort of Leon to play their way and just sort of you know a bit of a disjointed sort of performance going forward. Try and you know make a goal, um, you know try and pick out holes in the Leon midfield, which is how it went uh, earlier this year when they lost three uh, nil in in May. Uh, before Leon opened up the game pretty well, so I was expecting because of the quality of the players that Leon have, especially on the counter, that that's something. Especially when I saw, you know, Dimitri Payet, who before yesterday could have been a 50-50 in terms of performance, which Payet would turn up. He certainly hasn't played well uh, for the past mm. month or two, at the very least. Seemed um, to have saved it all up for yesterday. Well, exactly, exactly. And then you saw on the team sheet Maxime Lopez on the right. How effective was he as a winger? You know, is he going to be able to link up for you know going forward? Is it going to be you know? It's it's very rare that you have a slow slower player in front of you know your your faster winger. Yeah, and it felt a lot like a like a it felt a lot like a default choice as well. You know, you've tried German, you've tried Rodonic, you've tried Exactly, and it was like you know what, I've got no other choice. Now's the time. 
Um, but maybe, you know, AVB has obviously clearly seen something or clearly has dictated the tempo. But what it looked like in the stand is that OM were absolutely all over Leon in that first half. Save for the, uh, I think was it Cornet's strike on Mandanda, um, the save. Leon could not play their game well. The only negative I had from that first half uh, was Saar leaving a lot of space in behind the, the right. There was a lot of uh, space for him to, for, for Leon to play into. I thought that yeah. he. He, he would forget that actually he's, he's a right back, defensively minded right back. He has sort of the lapses that Sakai normally doesn't have because Sakai is more of a guy that will only go forward when he's attacking. But Sar's running up and down the whole, you know, the whole yeah. time. And Leon, they've got very adept passes of the ball, very quick movement. Um, and they would obviously find that wing. But the central defence did well. The defensive midfielders did well. Absolutely, you know, the first half looked absolutely superb and two goals to boot and obviously you know i think both of you will agree with me on this um second goal was something of a complete beauty oh, because the stadium was already the stadium was already up in arms when Paya did that slide tackle yeah know, already congratulating because not only did he score but he's not the sort of fat lazy uh couldn't care less Paya. this was a guy that hurtled all the way back performed an incredible slide tackle and then went on started the move and completed it um, and by you know ten seconds later, everyone's absolutely completely lost their shit. So that yeah. was that was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it was the same at the bar. To be honest, like <laughs> even on the tackle, everyone was like, "What? <laughs> what happened?" Yeah, crazy. Like. Actually, I'll, I'll let you speak, Rafa. What did you think about the game? So before the game, I was like, I didn't know what to expect, as we have two teams that are quite inconsistent at the beginning of the season, quite. Yeah, we don't know really what to expect. I know it'd be a tight game, but that's it. And then when they start and you see like the intensity the players were putting on, the pressures, the midfield that was literally walking on the Lyon midfield, I was like pretty impressed, to be honest. I wasn't really expecting that much intensity and technical and way to move the ball really quickly forwards and really high pressure. And I think that's thanks to Camara being the midfield to mm. be able to press that high and so on. And yeah, in the first half, Leon haven't, haven't exist. Like I'm currently finishing to watch a game right now again. It's just say, yeah, they didn't exist in the first half. And that was really impressive. And yeah, Bayet has done masterclass. The only bad point as Mose was clearly saw, which was a weak link in everything. Um, has been beaten on one-on-one -on -one versus Cornet, let some space and everything, but and yeah. I'm absolutely sure, just to add to that point, Ralph, that Rudy Garcia probably said, I know Saar very well, attack that way. Because <laughs> he's the one obviously put him in yeah. that position in the first place, so I'm guessing that he used that. Yeah, there is that, and also I think, as he put Lopez at the right, at the, at the right wing, which was clearly didn't know what to expect, uh, Saar has to project a bit more to take his, like, to be to play as a winger sometimes, and so that might have led some space for Corne and everything. And luckily, it was Corne on the left side of Lyon, I think. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I wanted, I wanted to highlight a little bit, comment on that when Mo said it as well. But even when Saul was not kind of two meters, two yards behind his opponent, when he actually made the chant like tackles that were meaningful, like the one he did just before the halftime against Corne, there's yeah. such high risk tackles, and he was already on a yellow. Like, yeah. that alone, and, like, three, four times, and, I was so scared that he would just wipe him out and get a red. Yeah. And his tackle on this yellow was absolutely stupid. I yeah. thought it was a Mavi. Like, 
it's, he could have taken a red on that. Yeah, and he was, like, it was 60 yards away from his box. Why? Yeah. Absolutely yeah. nonsense. Like, the beginning of the game from Saar has been absolutely awful. Then it's slightly better. But, yeah, the beginning was really, really difficult. I, it, I, I, I just want to add to that. I think mainly it's because he... You know, in space, he doesn't know what to do. In space, and OM play with a lot of space. Like between, the, if you look at the back four, there's a lot of space in between each defender. They don't play compact, and the other team loves yeah. to stretch OM out. But if you saw, obviously, in the second half, there was no space because yeah. you know all the attacking players came off. Everybody was put back. He felt more confident knowing that within five meters, there's going to be two or three teammates, um, and so it was easier to close down. It was easier to play short passes. But obviously, when OM were attacking. You know, Alvaro or 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 Jeman or or, or Adonis, whoever's playing on his flank or wherever he is, they're so far away, and maybe he's not that confident in his ability. Um, so maybe he fits as a defensively minded in a formation, but in attacking formation, he thinks that basically I'm a right winger playing at a right back. Um, let me attack and run and do one twos or whatever. Yeah, yeah. He... That is... Sorry, there is this and also like he is missing some consistency. Like he has been playing right wing, right back. Like yeah, he's changing barely every game. And so obviously for a player which has not been trained as a defender, it might take a little bit of time to get back his habits and always okay. should play and be positioned at that at that position. So that could be a small excuse, at least at least for the beginning of the game. But yeah. I agree with yeah. what you said. I mean, he's going to face... I mean, I don't. I mean, it's not my life, so I don't really care, but he's going to face a lot of problems when he, like, once he moves on from Marseille because he's, like you said, he hasn't been trained as a defender, but at this point, he is a defender. Like, he, oh, yeah. he's not good enough to play on the wing, even for a league one team. So he's going to struggle a lot to find his feet and when he when he finally moves on from Marseille and gets to another team. I might see him, like, in a, in a 3-5-2, maybe, like, as a, as, yeah. a, as a winger, but st he's still, like you said, Mo, he, he, le he leaves a lot of space, so I'm not I sure where he's going to fit it, for his future. Yeah, it stays like this, that I really miss Joe JJ. <laughs> you know what? I, I really actually liked Joe JJ. I actually really liked I him. I really did. Yeah. I was a big fan, and he was the perfect mix of defence and attacking rigour. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and not too stupid, not too sort of high level. Yeah, um, I actually really liked him, too. Um, it was a perfect soldier, definitely. Yeah, like, right. So um, before we move on to line by line, you guys talked a lot about the first half and how we just basically walked all over Leon. But I want to get your thoughts on the second half because it, it, whether it's because of the red card, but even before the red card, we seemed very, very tense. If it, it felt like we just why why don't why don't you go first with that? What do you think? <sighs> I don't know. People people blame the the fact that the game was stopped because of flares and stuff. So it kind of it says they it broke our momentum and. And basically, it did. I, it did. I, th <laughs> I think, yeah, but I think overall, I think when you look at the like the the, the physiology of the match and, and how everyone expected to go, I don't think anyone really expected us to be winning two 0 at halftime and going back on the pitch. And it it is difficult, you know, to to, to go back from from such a dominating half and say, you know, right, let's just, let's do it again. You know, you've lost a lot yeah. of energy and then it's dif it's difficult, even though everyone's pushing you to to, to carry on. And I feel like there was a little bit of complacency. Alvaro Gonzalez's first yellow um, was avoidable. I mean, it's not his fault. He had to make that challenge. But I mean, before, it, it felt like coming out the half, everyone was seemed a little bit deflated. And and obviously that led up to, to the to the red card, which was deserved. And and then we kind of shot ourselves. Um, but being supporters, all the players, I felt, 
it was kind of just like, well, let's just hold on for half an hour, which is understandable, but it's really not how coming out of this to the second half, how I thought this game would would end. I thought we were going to dominate for the rest of the match, and even though Leon didn't show that much, that much in the second yeah. half, I feel like we just let we just gave them hope for no reason. Point. I think. Sorry. I think one of the things that disturbed us, like um. In the second half, is the fact that Rudy Garcia get out, uh, um, Adelaide, which was the only good player on the pitch, but he changed the positioning of its midfield, and we were on one on one on this midfield, and so we, it took a little bit of time to get used or how to press with this thing under the, uh, uh, this big tactic system, and um, with that, then there was a first yellow of Avaro, but getting up out of his game, then the small mistakes on the uh, on the goal. And all of this, like, just dropped down a little bit the uh, mentality of the team, which was also physically really tired. Yeah. And the fact to be back at 10 against 11 just push everyone like a, um, a new spirit. And, okay, we have to keep this and just fight for this. And they fought very, very well. Like, it was really an example to oh, to to defend at 10 against 11, I think. Yeah. But, yeah. Mo, Mo, since you are your insider journalist and in, uh, on the ground in Marseille, um, talking about the second goal, did they clear up? What happened? Well, sorry, what, what do you mean clear up? Like, because <laughs> you know, Alvaro Gonzalez just ducked out of the way, and then my yes. dad was like, "I don't, did, did we got, did we get to the end of that?" So oh. no, I mean, first of all, like he he was clearly at fault for that second goal. I think there was a bit of a miscommunication. And uh, something that we saw up in the stands uh, was that, and because we have the, you know, like up in the press box, you have like the small monitors, so you can actually see like from different angles, a lot closer, something that you might not see like through the naked eye. Um, I look like, you know, Mondanda and uh, Alvaro had a misunderstanding. Um, so when the ball come in, Alvaro didn't know whether to come off the challenge and not challenge Dembele. Um, and Mandanda sort of started to move out, but then was like, I'm going to stay. Um, and that just gave Dembele the whole space that, you know, to do his, to do his work. And I mean, if, if you're in doubt, just go for it. Exactly. Even if you get, even if you clatter your own players, yeah. you know, like, it's just, but it was, there was, there was misunderstanding. Actually, after the game, they, once, you know, all the players were actually on the other side, under the Virat suit, um, celebrating. Uh, Mandanda and Alvaro were sort of talking tactics to each other, very animated, <laughs> obviously very lovingly, but I was like, oh, I didn't know what you said, oh, it's my mistake, or, or something like that, basically rehashing uh, the goal. So there was clearly something... It's the uh, second time this happens as well. Kamara exactly. did that against I PSG. I don't know. I don't know if it's a language barrier. I don't know if it's, you know, there's clearly, you know, not complete misunderstanding, like in general terms, but on a footballing level, there needs to be sort of like you know something that's very very clear um but on on the, in the second half my sort of my thoughts were that om is a very fragile team in terms of like for for results to go the way they do it needs everybody to give 110 percent because in you know in this time in this in this sort of 11 you've got players that are clearly world class when they're playing um you know like uh payette in particular obviously was amazing man of the match rongier was immense camera was superb and when these guys are playing well, they can play in any league on team. They can play in uh, top European leagues or whatever, right? And this team is also has your know, numerous studs. Obviously, I'm not going to name who they are because, <laughs> frankly, everybody deserves, you know, deserves credit for a really good performance yesterday. 
but there are duds who you know when they move on from Marseille will not play at a team of that level. Yeah. Um, so for for results to come, you know, like against top side, everybody needs to give 100%. When one person fails, um, then the whole game can sort of, you know, sort of go to shit. Um, and Alvaro was that defender yesterday, even though he's been fantastic so far this season, he had a poor second half. And it was the first you know, miscommunication which we just talked about with um, Mandanda, and then the red card. Um, he was the one that sort of changed the game plan. And AVB said, and he was very like sort of animated on the touchline. He said earlier this week, uh, last week, you know, don't lose your heads, play with passion, like think of every situation. You know, you might be one nil down, or you might be two nil up, or you might be. You need to manage the game up the head. Don't look at, yeah, the tifo is great and the fan support is going to be wonderful, but don't look up, don't like sort of take it all in and play and because obviously that sort of atmosphere affected them. The last big OM, OL clash uh, in 2015, where you know when Balboin was back, everybody just sort of lost their heads and was going yeah. Balboin left, right, and centre, yeah. just to sort of jeer up the crowd. He was just like focused on the tactics we have in place, and you know, and that worked well for 60, 65 minutes up until Alvaro. Obviously, the set, set, the second the yellow, the red card was clearly deserved, and I thought that was actually one of the smart decisions he's made because Dembele was through. Yeah, you had to do that. That, that was 100. percent that was not like, oh, you idiot. And a lot of people were just like, actually applauded him off. Yeah. Um, because, definitely. you know, there's, it is what it is. Um, and it was good to see defensively that when OM needed to defend, they could sit back. Like in 2018, just before the Europa League final, it was two, three months, OM were defensively solid. They would concede maybe one goal, but they would not let the opponents have a lot of shots. Yeah. They really, really kept Leon at bay. And, Obviously, in hindsight, we didn't know what was coming when Oliver was sent off because I thought that's it. We're going to throw away the game. The fan, you know, these players are going to sort of lose another series. You know, all these bad thoughts are sort of swelling around and the temperature was rising up in the stadium. But if you look at it, up and from when Alvaro got sent off to the Terrier shots in 86 minutes, Montana did absolutely nothing. Yep. He did not touch the ball absolutely once. You know, there was one free kick that went wide, but he was sort of jogging to the, to the post. But he didn't touch the ball whatsoever. Um, and that just goes to show that defensively, we were absolutely awesome. The challenges, no player was, you know, every player was tracking back, even if the majority of the time we were in our own half. They really, really put in the effort. And that's what made me, you know, it's always in sort of these occasions you think, if you could play like that against Leon, who destroyed Benfica on the field earlier this week, who who have good players, who cost clearly more double, uh, you know, what, what you're worth, hmm. why can't you do it every week? Why yeah, I agree. Why can't you do it against Amiens? Why can't you do it against... Because against Amiens, you know, you like it was it was 1-1 at one point and then they threw it away. Yeah. You know, like, you threw it away. Why can't you... Why can't you have employed those tactics then? Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely a good thing that we can start beating the big the big guns. It gives us a bit of hope if we ever make it to the Champions League. Um, Raf, I'll give you I'll give you the the talking stick in just a second. We'll move on to the to, to the to the players line by line. We we've already talked about Bunasar and we have just covered Alvaro Gonzalez. We'll probably skip over them, but we'll start from the back line. Um, Mandanda um, had a all right game, I guess he did. He he had a, a few saves, but in the second half, what really saved him is just it's just Leon's kind of bad luck. The the really close shots they had just went so close to. To, to going in, you know, he was just standing still, and if if it, if it was on target, it would have gone in. You know, how did you, Raf? How, how did you? How did you? What did you think about about Mandela's performance yesterday? 
I think what was really important is like on the first shot of Corney when Sal was completely like two meters behind him and they make bad save. I yeah. think it puts everyone in a good mentality because usually this kind of uh, like attacking phase from the 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 opponent end up in a goal and we all like okay start to depress and just lost the game. This save, I think, was key for the mindset of the whole team for after that. Then, indeed, he didn't have much to do. Like, the strongest, okay, like, shots from Lyon and something were were out of target anyway, despite the goal. So, pretty much was a good game, was a leader, it was driving people, especially when we went down to 10. So, yeah, I think he had a good game, even if he hasn't done that much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not much. To, I mean, it's a good thing. I mean, we we spent so yeah. many games at the start of the season where you know you can you can't say enough good things about Mandanda, which is a worrying sign. You know, you don't want to see your yeah. goalkeeper <laughs> having to make that many saves. So it's kind of a good thing that now it's like he's he's not often being put in a position where he has to make a save, yeah. but he he is still able to make that critical, like you say, momentum shifting kind of play. That just yeah. makes your your defense, who's very very young, you know, we forget how young our defense is, um, more confident, you know, more 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 likely to actually you know get, play with the ball in their feet instead of just being nervous and kicking it out. And yeah. I mean, apart from the the blunder that was the the Leon goal, and like Mo said, it's it's up to discussion whose fault it was. I th- I thought he was he was imperial. Um, yeah. Mo. Uh, You've talked extensively on 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 Bunasa and Alvaro Gonzalez, so I'll, I'll let you finish up the back line. Uh, Amavi and Chetasa might be the the duds you were referring to in our team. Uh, what did well, you, you know? Amavi Amavi wasn't too bad yesterday. Um, he's been playing well since he's exactly since he's back. exactly. He wasn't he wasn't too bad yesterday. He thought he he was a bit nervy. I thought he was the most nervous player in that first half, um, possibly because that it was sort of that flank that Leon has done so much damage over the last two years. So it's it's understandable that um, that he was a bit, you know, iffy. But he settled really, really well. And just like everyone else in the second half, um, he, he he did, you know, a great job in closing down that lane. Especially, you know, it was because of his decent defensive effort that Cornet and, uh, and uh, Traore had an absolute woeful... Um, you know, game uh, except for Tayoi's uh, assists for, yeah. for, for oh, Dembele, yeah. which I thought, which I thought, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, there's, there's, there's definitely been a hundred times where Amavi has obviously played poorer than that, um, but I will also give him the benefit of that because you could not see a thing um, in the stadium, and mm. I'm, I'm I, you know, I've got a video if, if anyone wants to see it. But um, you really, really could not see a thing. And when the game kicked off, I still couldn't see a thing. Yeah. Um, so we all re- like everybody was just looking at sort of the big screen and the pitch side monitors and, and the, the TVs and the press box as well. So, you know, that goal came because of um, where the visibility was still poor. And I like to think that the, uh, the, the organizers of the, the TIFO and the pyrotechnics, all that sort of stuff, May have been like, oh shit, <laughs> like maybe it's a bit too out. much. It yeah, started off, it started off so well in that there was white and blue smoke coming off the stands, but it normally just stays on the virage and just like wafts up. But this one enveloped the whole ground really, really quickly, maybe because it was on, it was from both sides um, of the stadium. So um, I think it got it, it got away with them uh, a little bit. Shletasa, um, you know, I like I, I'd like to really like Shletasa. I really, you know, I, I give him 
the most benefit of a doubt of any of the poor players that we've had in defence and midfield and attack. Well, I'm, I think most people know that I'm very quick to criticise a player when, <laughs> yeah. uh, when I don't like him. And I really like to give Shalev Star, but again, yesterday he, he was okay. And I think he was only, that's the best I can say, and he was only okay because um, Alvaro was mainly there for the, for the first half. But in the second half, you know, OM had to play with you know, more of the back. Camara dropped back. And he was still really being really nervous. It was only fortunate for us that Leo rarely did play through the middle. Um, and if they did, you know, the Rongier was absolutely awesome. Streetman came on mm. uh, for later on. Um, you know, like there were there were other opportunities, uh, like a second line of defence or something. I didn't think he was absolutely incredible, um, but maybe he was mainly a passenger. But in the end, he contributed to, you know, a solid defensive victory. Um, in fact, I thought he was mainly going to be the likelier one um, to get a red card because, you know, he was leaving a lot of space. And he got a red card in both games last season. Exactly. So I thought yeah. he was going to complete the bloody hat-trick. Yeah. Um, and he left a lot of space um, on occasions. But fortunately, you know, Leon were just absolutely hopeless and toothless. Yeah. Um, so the defence overall um, weren't actually all bad. I think a lot of you could say that it was a whole team effort, so it's hard to single out like a a, a memorable rearguard performance that people will talk about forever. Um, but it was, you know, it was adequate. I think Mondanda had not much to do in the second half. The first half, Leon um, did have a couple of opportunities. Um, in the second half, all 11 players or 10 players afterwards um, really just put their all in. So I don't want to single out, you know, sort of the back line. For any commendable performances. Yeah, um, I'll we'll, we'll go through the the players. I do want to obviously uh, spend a bit of time at the end of the podcast to talk about you know the incidents outside because I think that was like a very polarizing and it's probably gonna maybe cause a bit of of fines and a bit of problems for Marseille down the line. So um, what I'll do, we'll, I'll probably ask each of you to kind of go through player by player. If the other person wants to chime in and give a comment, then that, that's absolutely fine, obviously. Um, but don't be like sad if I like skip you for like uh, okay. played. Um, talking about that Raph um, Kamara played his I think it's his third game in a row as a CDM um, and that's the second it doesn't start on Lille or maybe I got it wrong but yeah fair enough oh yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe maybe actually it might be yeah so it's a second yeah so his um, he's, he's he seems just so comfortable in that position and it, it really begs the question where, when in the post-conference, um, pre- press conference, you know, he says, you know, I still want to play as a centre-back and stuff. And we've seen how much he struggled this year playing centre-back. And you see him now as a CDM, he looks so much more free, so much more aggressive, so much more in control of the midfield compared to when Strutman's in the midfield. Um, what, what, what do you think of, of him in that position and, and how does it bode for him in the future? So, first, I think, like, right now, it's, it's the player we need in the midfield in the sense of... Um, he has really good capacity with the ball. He has the physics, you know, how to tackle, to manage his guy, to put pressure. It is actually doing what Strudman wanted to do but can't do, basically. Yeah. And he's able to do it very well. Uh, in terms of his future, I do think he still he will have a great career as a central defender. The point is, he's only 19. Like central, de- the prime for a central defender is 28 to 33. Hmm. He still have 10 years in front of him to learn or to manage all these kind of things, which takes time, so that are really difficult. So if he can, the good thing as putting him as 
in the midfield. It allows him to play, to keep his confidence on, not to be put back on the bench and lose his momentum and everything. Continue playing and still learn, basically. And I think it could be a really good thing. So first of all, Marseille, because we do need him in the midfield right now because we don't have any defensive midfielder. It's not strutman positioning. And it would be good for his career to us to settle there and then go back down when she would be have more experience basically. Yeah, okay. Um yeah I I thought I totally agree. Um it uh, it, it seems really the player that, you know, is in the right time because we don't have a, a central defender, defending midfielder and it's you know, like Streetman is clearly not comfortable in that position and he seems to be the solution, at least for now anyway. Yeah. Um so moving on to, to Rangier who who played uh, uh did he get subbed off for Street no. No, I think he played the whole game, didn't he? Um how the yeah. how the Mo, how did you think Rangier did? I thought it was awesome. Um and I agree with Villa Forest when he said that he played probably his best match in the OM shirt. Um, he was really yeah. combative. He was very, very strong in the tackles. I can't remember. I think maybe he got booked at one point. Uh, uh, I'm not entirely sure, but he was really, really combative, combative in the middle. Um, and the Leon triangle, they really just couldn't, couldn't handle him. I thought Awa looked pretty weak in the midfield duels. He played the balls really, really well. He moved, you know, across the left and right, which is exactly what we needed, you know, in terms of last year, especially when we had Gustavo and Stuben on the same pitch, we ha- we we missed you know, a bit of that dynamic switch uh, between the left and the right wing. So we were forced to either hoof it up to the wingers or, you know, play a little bit flat-footed through the middle, which could take time in a phase of play. But I really, really enjoyed Bronchier yesterday. He not only was really useful in liberating players like Lopez to charge down because he had the sort of the confidence and the stability to sort of just sit back in an aid camera but also put in more effort in just spraying the ball forward left and right for Payet um, and I'm actually interested to see sort of the tactical maps or the heat maps in terms of the movement because I felt like he was the engine in allowing Payet to cut in do his business in off the left Lopez would quite often charge through the final third um, you know, he he was he was very very good. And what I was also found interest, interesting was that um, in the second half he was practically a leader, yelling at yep. players to get into position, pointing where you know players should follow around, and just hoofing the ball you know where needed. I really really enjoyed that. Yeah, and you know people um, you've, you've mentioned it at the start, but people do say like you know, Payet does choose his games, and sometimes you know it's just fifty fifty, like chance that he's actually going to get up to actually play well but we know that he's best not when he's stuck on drifting wide on the left side but when he's you know like this kind of electron that kind of runs around all of the midfield and he's able to kind of step away from his defensive task and, and kind of linger between the lines and maybe the fact that Rangier was so dominant in in you know being a box-to-box midfielder and keeping the ball and allowing Payet to not have so much defensive responsibility might have been the reason why he was so good Indeed, completely yeah. agree. Cool, Raf. Um, do you want? Have you anything to mention about about Wanji, or do you want to move to Sasson? Yeah, that's. I think everything has been said on him, to be honest. Yeah, cool. What do you think about? So Sanson had a kind of a similar role. It's kind of the, you know, the dirty role, the, the Busquets role. Um, not that I want to compare the two players, but kind of in that role where you don't really see him often, 
But when you actually just kind of take five minutes of the game and just look at him, he was involved in nearly like every single possession of the game, wasn't he? Uh, okay, so you know, like the grunge I have with Samsung for most of the time, but this game was one of his good games, and uh, it didn't do as much. So, what generally I blame him is he don't know how to uh, pace the game. He's just always like trying to take the space and run and or trying to move forward all every single time. But in this situation where he was surrounded by Payet, Camara, Rongier, Lopez, Benedetto, that were really good visible. Every time he tried to take any space, it was covering some somewhere. It was pressing, was really accurate, and there was people around him. And so I do think it's his best game so far this season and especially the second half where every single time when we were at 10 he took the ball run a lot side the, the pitch and just keep the ball keep the ball keep the ball all those to one time to let everyone goes up get back in place and yeah he has done a really good game i, I need to confess yeah it, i mean it's it was about time wasn't it because he he, he's been often, we've also often in this podcast, we've also, when we debrief the games, we also kind of clump Lopez and Sanson as like, you know, we debrief them together and they're usually more than underwhelming. So it was about time that Sanson actually had kind of this reference game that you can look back upon and you say, this is the Sanson that you want and that he, he shows you that he, actually, he can actually rise up to big games and to the big occasions. Yeah, exactly. And the thing which is impressive with him is physics, if he's physical, like, these guys never stop running and in this scenario it was one of the players we needed on the pitch and that was one of the things I didn't understand from the PSG game why he wasn't like it's definitely the kind of player when you need to press really high when you know there will be a really high intensity you need on the pitch and you need him to help the team through that like it's a kind of mad dog and just if we can control his mad dog side it can be a really nice player yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Um, so, um, moving on to the um, the front trio, um, I mean, officially it was a 4-3-3. I don't know how, kind of what position you would give Payet and Lopez. They were not really, like, you know, like, wide-playing wingers um, like you'd see more conventionally. Um, we'll, we'll probably start with Lopez because you did, Mo, you did talk about Lopez a little bit in your introduction. He was definitely the... The point of interrogation when you look at the squad, you know, like, was it just a choice by default? You know, was Vilas Boas just trying something out of desperation? But when you look at how the game went, you know, there was clearly a method in his madness. And, and Lopez was, dare I say, like, essential to the way we played in the first half. It was. It was very essential. Um, and what I felt like I noticed was that it wasn't so much an advanced 4-3-3. It might have looked like a, a you know, I like to think it was more of a 4-5-1 um, but maybe inverted because I felt that Pai and Lopez were both playing with the inside uh, quite a lot rather than hugging the touchline. Well, maybe, maybe probably Pai was for, for most of the first half, but Lopez certainly wasn't sort of your traditional winger in running down to the corner and uh, and trying to deliver a cross. And I, I'd actually like to see that he barely even, I mean, to my to my remembrance, delivered like a, a full-blown cross. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a pure 4-3-3 by any means. And if you look at the second goal, he was someone that sort of picked up the ball in a, in the, his typical midfield position in front of the defensive midfielder and then run, um, you know, into the box to try and find space. Um, and definitely more advanced than Samson was, uh, at the very least, 
Mm. And I mean, was, you, yeah. people would argue that Payet did everything for the second goal, and in large parts he did. You know, he's the one that got the ball back. He's the one that did the pass. But Lopez was involved, and and one criticism. L- Lo- yeah, Lopez yeah. was yeah. pretty key because yeah. obviously, if if he doesn't have the, the the footballing intelligence to run and sort of you know look, you know for for a good pull, and obviously he had Leon players charging down on him as well, so running not just into a safe space but into the dangerous areas, holding off um, you know any sort of defensive threat from the opposition, and then releasing the ball to Payet, which was quick, it was sharp. Uh, the passing was on point and then you know enabled the goal but if uh, you know a weaker player or a less intelligent player would have just gone to the outside held up the ball step back hold up you know i mean and then spray the ball back in defense or try and hold up the position and we've been guilty of that so many times before and so, it's not it's know, not a weaker give... player it's it's him it's one of the criticisms you've had is it's the fact that even though he has to seems to have this technical genius and this ability to find Pick out good passes, or so, mm. someone's rustling their mic. By the way, um, oh, sorry. maybe you're okay. Okay. sorry. Sorry, um, you know the one criticism that people have of Lopez is that he's not decisive enough. You know, you don't find him in the final third. You don't find him doing the assist, and then obviously you don't find him playing. He's not the most important player to well, score a goal. Maybe, but you... maybe it was ADB's idea. He was like, "Well, you're going to the deep end now, so you know you are the final line of attack. You're responsible as Benedetto as." higher in unlocking these players instead of you know you can't you don't run into the final third and then pass the ball backwards so maybe if maybe Villas has clearly seen that and said well you know you're going to be playing far more up front um, no, rather than the safety of midfield yeah. where it's just about passing sideways um yeah. so i mean it, whatever it was it worked uh, to some extent yesterday so, yeah i agree you know, well done to Lopez. Yeah. And Lopez was key because his positioning was he had to be behind the Lyon midfield, which was kind of the, their weakness in the beginning of the season. And so uh, with Lopez behind the lines between the defense and the midfield, then he can give the ball to Payet, to Sanson, to, to Benedetto that went there and try to create some game from there. And I think it was a really good positioning and strategically smart to put Lopez there instead of in front of this midfield line where it tends to always go back and this kind of thing. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, well, actually, Raph, I'll, I'll let you speak for the next player. Um, he's a player that's been very controversial on this podcast um, because, and on Twitter in general, you know, there's, there's a very clear line between people who, who find Dario Benedetto essential to the, the build-up of the game, the way he kind of picks out this, you know, very quick, easy one-two passes, the way he can hold up the ball. Um, seems you know very at ease um, with fighting off defenders and some of the Twitter that's saying well he's still not decisive enough he hasn't scored in nearly nearly six seven games now um, he's not involved enough in the final third I personally I personally think that he's essential we don't need a target man we need someone we'd like a uh, kind of an Inzaghi type of player that, you know, that, that you don't see a lot of the game, but then that can be deadly and not necessarily through a shot and a goal, but through his, like, you know, his chested, like, chested one-touch pass, his, you know, like, um, back heels that go straight to Payet and puts him in a great position. What, what did what do you make out of, of Benedetto? Are you more on the side of the, the, critics, the critics or are you still hopeful? No, I, I really like this player. I find it really smart. He's one of the players that knows what football means. Basically, he's 
he's playing very well with Payet, with Lopez, with the midfield. I do like the fact that he's always moving to the good space and everything. He didn't have a really good game yesterday. Like he was sometimes his positioning was a bit off. Like for example on the ball from Bunasa, which was clearly he had to stop his running, not run to the first post, just wait and push the ball in. But it was. But I do think currently the reason he's less good, less decisive, is because he. It's the first time in the last two years is doing so many games in a row. Like he has always got like small injuries and things like that when he was in Argentina following his big injuries, and it's the first time he's having 10, 12 games in a row, and. First is like a defense which is more uh, more physical than in Argentina, and sometimes three defenders which not used to, and so it's it's a different championship for him, and he has to get the habits and yeah settle in again in this championship. But I do really like this player, and I do think like with time and maybe it's a international break will give him some good, and we'll be see another Benedetto in two weeks. Yeah, no, I, I I definitely agree. I'm I'm. It's not even that I'm hopeful. Um, even if he carries on this trend, obviously he needs to score more goals to a certain extent. You can't just not score a goal in yeah. eight goals in eight games. But if you if you score one goal every three games and you give me that kind of production where, you yeah. know, you you're always a, a striker that defenders have to worry about. That even if you're marked just with just one touch, you can just break down a, like a whole back line. For me, that's yeah. enough. I, 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 I'm perfectly content with that. Um, and the last player, obviously, is Payet. Um, obviously, because of the time, um, I'd like to link his performance and talk about his performance linked with a bit of, of drama that happened this week. Um, so for those who, who, who haven't followed the game or just followed just the game and not the, the surrounding noise, uh, Payet was in a press conference, like in the traditional pre-game conference on Thursday. Um, and he had... Not too many nice things to say about about Leon's coach and ex Marseille coach Rudy Garcia, um, you know, just saying basically that he's a bit hypocritical, um, the way that he just moves to Leon after saying all these things about the Leon players and stuff. The, for me, the usual Marseille Leon kind of digs and kind of provocation and manipulation in the media, but we've seen too many times in recent years when when play Marseille players say things in the media be- before a game and then they just they have to eat their words this time Payet has just completely risen to the occasion and he's just he was he was world-class Payet he was everywhere he I mean he even in the first half he's the player that um that won the most balls in defense he managed to actually make five successful tackles and get the ball like he was like our best defender in the first half so what did you both of you what what did you guys make of Payet and and what do you think? Because he, a lot of people were criticizing him for speaking out in the media before the game. You know, saying that it's a usual thing. You, you don't give bold material to the other team to, to rise up to the game. What did you um, think? I, yeah, I mean, I looked first in amusement, then a bit in concern um, pre-match of, of his comments. Because obviously, like you just mentioned, there's been numerous occasions where OM have, you know, been forced to eat their words after the game where it just wasn't necessary and it didn't fit in with the sort of the professional build-up that that we were targeting uh, for this game like discreet and just do our talking on the pitch so when he's and he really ripped into Rudy Garcia he tried to also 
go to the Leon place and saying, well, you won't believe what you said about you five months ago when, you know, like, uh, it's a bit strange. And clearly he doesn't like Rudy Garcia. And it is, it, it's sort of shone a light as well on just how bad things were last season mm. behind the sort of behind the curtain because he said that we didn't end on good terms or whatever. And I just felt that Hyatt is a very passionate player. So when there's a prize on the line or when there's a, a something worth fighting for or, or a reputation worth claiming for, he will give it his all. It doesn't come all the time. He, it's a it should remain a criticism that he's unable to sort of be great um, or be as destructive um, as he can be. If you look at what he did yesterday and then how he's approached games against Amiens and, uh, you know, Ren, Dijon, Montpellier, um, and you're thinking, what the hell? Like, you know, why can't you do that in those games, you know? Yeah. It, it was sort of the sort of form that, and some, somebody actually said, um, is, is there an international tournament coming up? Because Palat Pai is obviously clearly doing his level best to you know sneak some Amaris as he did in the four or five months before the, the World Cup in 2018 but he was absolutely incredible yesterday I think I know we've touched him on it so much but um he was he was stunning he was you know, attacking his attacking prowess was was incredible his defensive ability which is a side of him that I would rarely rarely ever see um and it's just the pirate that we know he can be. We've seen it in 2014, 15, 17, 18, um, yeah. and we haven't seen it yet this year. And I just don't, you know, I don't want it to see one or two games a season, you know. And then he, he's, he was, you know, kudos to him for really getting, you know, getting the chip off his shoulder in just really announcing. And obviously, he deserves credit for not only destroying Garcia in the press conference, <laughs> but actually having the, you put him his money where his mouth is. Um, and actually do his talking on the pitch and it just made Garcia look all the more uh, silly for his uh, management of Payet and, and Leon players will really see maybe perhaps they will see what if Payet who's a genius and a good player in his own right says this about Rudy Garcia they're even, going to have yeah. to also keep an eye out for him as well even, even, even more after this game after losing to Marseille you know if I was a Leon fan or even player it's one it's Asking about the legitimacy of of Payet's comments, and two, just asking yourself real questions on Garcia's. You know, he's the only variable that changed between Marseille's yeah. inability to win any big and game. And Marseille's a worse team with less players. Yeah. Uh, this time round, and a players whose quality is declining, is aging, etc. Um, and it is Garcia, and I, I'd, I'd be worried if I was a Leon fan, knowing that you know they know how good Payet is. There's no, there's no question about that. And Garcia's management so far, where he's probably shunning the, the sort of the Leon DNA and bringing his own ideas mm. and all that sort of stuff. Maybe Garcia is actually part of it because if Genesio was still coach, I don't know who would have won that game. Yeah, uh, we wouldn't, honestly. Variable, and it just goes to show that his, you know, he's his, his not a great coach anymore. Yeah. Um, the second news I want to talk about, and I'll go, I'll go to you after, obviously, Mo, um, feel free to, to come in as well. Um, is the pre-game antique. So it was a big party in Marseille. There was a lot of flares, a lot of firecrackers all over Marseille. And then when the, the Lyon bus came into the stadium, um, you could see clearly that the bus was been... Um, people had thrown um, stones at the at the bus, uh, which had happened before. Um, but 
obviously Olas used this um, you know as a threat to stop the game saying that if it continues that it's in the game and then even after the game to give excuses for the loss he said they were intimidated by the the supporters um, I, I guess criminal behavior um, but just to, just to make sure like we're not biased here police did tell Olas to not use a Leon branded bus and he's done it in the past before where he ignores it because he wants to provoke everyone and he wants to but he he want basically he wants to attract the antiques and attract the criminal behavior to then have fuel to to basically make a fire and then to get Marseille in trouble um and i guess we can also talk about the the, the flares and the fact that the game had to be stopped halfway through Raf, what did you think about about this? One, do you think it really had an impact on the game? And two, what do you expect coming out in the next few days about the the sanctions? So, I guess like obviously it has to have an impact. Like people are humans. When you have like some stuff thrown at your bus, obviously it has to impact you. And then maybe not as much as Holas wants us to believe, but he has to have an impact. Um, and but I still think it's less than an impact that the atmosphere in the stadium and the pressure and everything, and all this kind of thing. Of course, Olas didn't follow the the, the authorities' uh, advice to have kind of uh, safety already there in case something went wrong because he knew what happened. Because there are some stupid people that think that sending stone is smart and attempting people's lives or injuries is something that deserves to be done just because of our enemies, which is pretty stupid. Um, but hey, it has to have an impact. Same as the flares might have an impact. Uh, I'm not 100% sure for that. But the consequences we will know is like we will have an empty stadium for one or two games. We know that and some fines and everything. But this is what the league always do. That the league never understands. And uh, yeah, that that was the same thing. I think it was last year. Bordeaux celebrates an anniversary too, and they put some flares and got like two or three games without anyone in the stadium or something like that. Mm -hmm. They don't care. It's celebration. They're just like. Yeah, flares. Let's put some uh, some sanctions, and that's it. And especially as I was for proper TV time, that affected the TV time. So I expect it to be really bad. Yeah, do you want to jump in, Mo? Um, I was sort of hoping for a swearing-free podcast, but uh, I think <laughs> Good I might fail here. Um, but I think Oles is a fucking loser. <laughs> he's, yeah. He's um, first of all, like you mentioned with the police thing, he's. He's a stuntman, okay? And everybody loves to... He's a pantomime villain. And, you know, if you're on that bus, knowing that the bus... If I'm on a bus, essentially, uh, and I'm traveling to a destination, I know a destination that is likely going to be trouble, um, any sane human would sort of follow security advice and take, you know, the, the, the least worst option, you know, in that yep. go in an unmarked bus... Um, you know, going in on mud bus uh, with police, um, uh, a police motorcade, whatever it might be, etc. He's his ego is harming, or potentially harming, the, the safety of his own players, his staff, and whatever. Okay, so he comes in with a massive brake bus with a massive logo of Leon adorned to it, and yes, it's you know the human race 
It's mixed up of good people and bad people everywhere. And Marseille is not uh, immune to that. We saw it in Liverpool. Oh, yeah. um, uh, you know, in Man City, it's happened everywhere. It's not Marseille being a city of, you know, like uh, stupid or criminal people. It's, it happens everywhere. That's what Olas called it. He said he yeah. said they enter the city that, of, of in, lawless. A lawless, yeah. A lawlessness city where it's, exa- it's the same in everywhere else. Go to Italy, go to Turkey, go oh, to yeah. Eastern Europe. It's the same thing, all right? And personally, for me, uh, for example, as a as an OM fan, but also as somebody that doesn't like to see unsavory incidents, I didn't agree with, you know, the corner flag, people pelting stuff. Let them take the corner, let the game flow, okay? Because obviously, if something did happen in terms of the match will stop and replayed, we're only hurt, hurting ourselves. You know, some people take it too far as the people that hide, you know, in plain sight, not the organisers, not the people that come and support their team, you know. What they want to see is a fair, great game on the field. But Olas is someone sneaky. He's trying to yeah. one-up on OM. And frankly, I'm glad that, uh, you know, we didn't basically fall into that trap. Um, and this is his own fault. So, you know, there was rumours that, you know, one of the glass broke uh, very close to Anthony Lopez, who when he arrived in the stadium wasn't you know didn't look 100% you know pumped up or happy or etc um, and then the threat of insulting the people of Marseille insulting the match you know OM won a great game right Lyon did well but they they you know they were eventually beaten it's the first time in five years that this has happened in the league um, let OM enjoy who they are. You know, you know what. Enjoy their game. Enjoy their victory. Focus on bringing your team up for a 14th position. Focus on your coach. Focus on your team's approach. Focus on your results. To come and then insult Marseille. I didn't see. I, you know. Also, I just want to congratulate Iroad for staying away from the press yesterday. Um, you know, in in the in the in the function, obviously, you know, the OM win, and he, you know, he he could have easily just milked it. Yeah. Um, and sort of yeah, definitely. Over the problems. It's refreshing he that he kept didn't. A discreet, he kept a discreet profile yesterday uh, because while it was a great time, there's still work to be done. And I, you know, and Olas, he knows how to play the media game. And he was, you know, at the end of the game, the ball boys tried to do that. Congratulations to Marseille, the little, little club. Uh, and just the, the absolute pettiness, you know. I, I didn't appreciate it. Um, and it's it, in, in the end, it didn't sour what was a great night for OM because OM made it all about OM. It was about the players turning up. It was about Villa Fos, it was about the TIFO, the record attendance. Yeah. Everything from the opposition doesn't mean shit, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. Let them focus on their own battle to come back yeah, with Rudy Garcia. And I hope, I hope they enjoy Rudy Garcia. And I hope, you know, good <laughs> luck to them. And we'll see where they are in the league table come Christmas. You know, if they, if, when we go over there, it will be the same stuff. And if they win, they won't have got that victory, you know. They've got that victory, they congratulate themselves, etc. Yeah. We'll just focus on their own team. Before before we round up the podcast, I just I just asked to ask you one more thing. Um we talk a lot about refereeing um in this podcast, I guess as as every single Marseille fan does. Um Olas did mention a, a few things and you've seen on Twitter a lot of you know I mean it might be the only time and first time that Leon fans are, have actually any legs to stand on about refereeing decisions. Um, the, how, what did you make about the, their claims? You know, the, the, the Sanson handball, um, Ren, Ren Adelaide's uh, penalty shout, um, the, the alleged, alleged um, slap from Benedetto to Dubois. 
What did you make of that? Uh, to be honest, I thought the, ref the referee was quite good yesterday. Like clearly, uh, Rena Delade and our dive into this into the box. That's quite clear, um, and they didn't get booked. Mm. By the way, yeah. um, the slap was nothing. To be honest, like it's, there was mistake. Shouldn't have done that, but. Dubois staying like half an hour on the pitch while it was just something like even a child wouldn't have cried. Um, so I'm not that concerned. Our referring was okay. The end of the game, I thought he was a bit too uh, inclined to blow every single time at every single contact, no matter where it was. But yeah, overall, for once, we have been like uh, referring quite okay. And I do think that actually referees eight more Garcia than Marseille, so <laughs> this is our luck. Uh -huh. um, I sort of agree with Raf. I think the reason why he can be classed as good was that he was bad for both teams. Um, so in the end, it, it was it evened out. So I thought he got the main uh, decisions correct. Of course, I mean, at one point, we know Anthony Gauthier, I thought if he'd missed the Thiago Mendes handball, there yeah. might have been a riot. But, you know, we've had worse or, you know, clear Definitely. decision like that, not given. Yeah, we So, I mean, everybody jumped up and was like, you better not. So, yeah. we didn't use the VAR for that. And, you know, all the players had their hands up. The fans were, you know, crazy. They were like, we all saw that. You don't, you, you know, like, there's no way. And fortunately, he didn't rely on the VAR. But the penalty incident, the, 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 the management of the game for him, from that moment on, I didn't think he had any control because six minutes had passed by the time the penalty was whistled before by it took the penalty. The slap was not, you know, it was not a slap. It was not a slap, and it was not something that, uh, fortunately, because I thought at one point we didn't know what was going on. We just thought that he was checking. Uh, so, I mean, personally, I thought that he was still checking the handball, like going to be able to confirm it. <laughs> but then, I, what I saw was that there was lasers being shown on Lopez, so he sort of was waiting for like an announcement uh, to like to go around the stadium or something like this. Um, and then only did I see on Twitter that they were checking the Benedetto uh, slap, which they initially, after showed at halftime, there was nothing going on. But he should have just continued, you know, let take the penalty and then come back to whatever it was, you know, like. Yeah, that was my argument. It's hardly going to affect the penalty. And I really, and I commend Payet for actually walking away. He walked all the way, probably near to the touchline, just yeah. to get away from it all. Uh, because, you know, it, it really does mess it. F up the psyche, and and like you said, Raph, the last last six or seven minutes, I felt that he was doing his best to get Leon back into the game. Obviously, it sounds stupid to say, yeah. but there was free kicks galore. Like everything that happened, the raunchy yellow card, it was just ridiculous. Like played, you know, play the game. He was just allowing sort of Leon to encroach into OM territory deeper and deeper. And, and honestly, I was just simply relieved when Mandanda caught the ball in the 95th minute. Um, yeah. And just the whistle went um, because, yeah. I mean, fortunately, there was not there was nothing absolutely critical. I, you got the the key decisions, probably okay, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it it wasn't great, but it wasn't the worst we can exactly. expect. Exactly. By far, like I mean, I don't go away from that game. We went to two two. I wouldn't be complaining about the referee essentially. Yeah. Alright, um, well, that probably rounds up um, today's episode. It's a bit of a longer episode. We're just, just past the hour mark. Um, thank you very much, guys, for, for coming on the, on the podcast. It's not the, it's not the worst um, 
game to, to debrief, I guess, for you guys. Um, but thanks, thanks for coming along anyway. Um, if, if, if anyone's out there still listening to the, to, to this recording, um, in the next couple of ga- couple of days, I'm gonna, we're gonna ask, um, basically we're gonna ask around for more speakers. Um, so on Twitter, we're just basically gonna do like a, a random poll to see if you want to get involved, just talk about Marseille games, just so we can get some more voices in. Um, and that we don't put on the strings of, of, of the same speakers over and over again. Um, but thank you guys for coming along. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I hope anyone out there listening to the, to the podcast, I hope you enjoy it too. And there's an international break for two weeks um, where we're going to see the brilliant games of France against Andorra and France against Belarus. And I'm sure <laughs> we'll need to debrief that, those amazing games. But um, we'll see you in two weeks' time. Um, I'm not sure what what game we're playing next. Um, got a bit Toulouse. of a sorry to lose to lose away. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so ba- to lose yeah. away is basically a home game, isn't it? Um, yeah. So to lose away. So see uh, in two weeks' time. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for listening. Um, and if you guys got a, a couple of last words to say, and then we can round up the podcast. Nope. Um, that's yeah. all good for me. Any insults to the to the that's... Leon players? <laughs> Uh, more to Garcia, but yeah, <laughs> bit, uh, <laughs> PG. Well, you're relatively PC for that. <laughs> cool. All right. So thanks very much. Thank you very much for listening, and uh, we'll see you in two weeks' time. All right. Bye, bye, guys. Bye.